They don't know what they're doing. They're dabbling into things that are really dangerous to their mental health, to their spiritual health, and they have no idea that they're endangering themselves. Now, I don't understand. They, in this article Spirit, that was on spiritdaily.com, it says they quote Numbers 22-22, and it's the Israel Bible that they're quoting. Mm -hmm. And it says, but Hashem was incensed at his going, so an angel of Hashem placed himself in his way as an adversary. He was riding on his she-ass with two servants alongside. I don't understand. Maybe you can, somebody can enlighten me. Read the King James Version and enlighten me what this You're talking about scripture has. Has to do with worship, summoning devils? Yes. I, I, don't, I don't see so where it has anything. read the King James Version. It's uh, Numbers 22-22. This is what it actually reads in the King James Version. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. Right, he's talking about when Balaam was riding uh, contrary to God's will to meet Balak of the Moabites, because Balak wanted Balaam to curse the children of Israel. Now I don't understand what that has to do with summoning I don't understand. Unclean spirits. So I have no idea. So this article is, um, it, that, that scripture is in this article. And then it goes on to say that the site categorizes the book, a children's book of demons, as a playful guide to conjure demons to communicate with the spirit. The children's product is listed for ages, get this, from five to ten years of age, and inspires kids to create demons of their own. The book is sort of a coloring book whereby kids can draw demons using a system of sigils. The word is S-I-G-I-L-S. -I -I yes, symbols, you know, that they create to represent something that they that supposedly give some type of empowerment to themselves with these symbols to bring into reality whatever it is that you're trying to uh, uh, request or conjure up. So the publisher's weekly text reads, Layton integrates a hands-on craft element into this playful guide that invites readers to conjure gentle demons. I don't know yeah. where you get a gentle right. demon. That's, where that's a stupid. That's like a white witch. It's still, it's still stupid. It's, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. Gentle demons by writing their sigils which serve as a phone number to so call to speak yes. straight to the spirit. The demons necessitate specific summons. Uh, and, and you know, it, oddly enough, they say like some of these logos that uh, companies have, some of those logos have sigils drawn within them. You know, so it makes you wonder, you know, who is or who isn't worshiping satanic forces. So it says a Riddler named Corydon requires a sigil, and that sigil is drawn in bright red, the color of a clown's nose, preferably while you're giggling. <laughs> so while you're coloring something in bright red and giggling, you can call on this Riddler called Corridon. And express specific characteristics and abilities that range from pragmatic to gross. They include lactulous, 
Whose talent is passing gas? That's so ignorant. Quasi Toro, an expert at finding missing objects. And Spanglox, the best dressed demon in the underworld, who offers cutting edge fashion advice. Layton's renderings of the multi eyed, multi armed, sharp toothed demon, demons are outlandish without being creepy. And the creative concept will likely inspire some readers to create demons of their own. It's basically just teaching people to open up themselves to being possessed. So, on Walmart's site, the book is placed in a category called Paranormal, Occult, and Supernatural Kids Books. It's listed at $9.88 per copy. Yeah, it's $10 a shot. But the thing about it is this is one person, this lady who feels like when you think about the age between 5 and 10 that there's a window when you're dealing with children that they feel like you can maximize on this uh, spiritual so-called connection that they would have with the with the other, other side of this, what they call this universe. You know, they, they feel like when you start approaching uh, puberty and you enter your teens and you go into adulthood, you lose it. But when you're at, at that young age, like between 5 and 10, you're your most powerful. You're at your peak. And they need to cut this nonsense out. They need to just well, stop dabbling. You make it sound fun. You make it sound like it's uh, conjuring up something something warm and fuzzy. But like the, like the Lord says, but you, you, you're dabbling yes. in things that you have no business dabbling in and you have no idea of the harm that you're putting yourself into. That's just like you try to uh, smoke cigarettes and then you end up getting lung cancer. Right. Or, any, and, or some other kind of cancer. Or you drink alcohol and, and oh, is this good? And then they put it in, <laughs> they can put it in like dessert drinks like a Brandy Alexander or right. a grasshopper yeah. and, and mix it with ice cream and it tastes wonderful. But then you keep drinking and you keep drinking and you keep and one day you look up and you're hooked on alcohol. Right. And you can't get off. Right. You can't get out of it, you know? You need God's help to get out of it. Yeah, it's not a game. No, it's not. They think it's a game, but it's like playing with fire and don't realize they're gonna get burned, but they're gonna get burned. Right. You know, everything in the Word is absolutely true. Everything, whether you believe it or not, everything that God said, it, you know, you reap what you sow. You, um, whatever you read, whatever you can remember from your childhood reading, if you don't regularly read the Bible, God created the heaven and the earth. That's true. Everything is true. Everything. Right. There is nothing that's a lie. And if he says, don't do this, you don't do that, you know? Right. Which makes me think about the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and it says, you know, it's talking about communion, taking communion. Okay. And it's talking about, you know, taking the bread and drinking the cup to show the Lord's death until he comes. Mm -hmm. And then starting at verse 27, it says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For 
He that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So it was making me think that in many churches, they gloss over sins, or, you know, they categorize them in small sins, venial sins, mortal sins, and, you know, some churches don't even um, really push people to confess your sins to the Lord. Or repent from what you have done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just go ahead and you take communion. And, you know, it's okay to go out and smoke your, go back home and smoke your cigarettes, drink your beer, or get drunk. Or, you know, there are a lot of priests, Catholic priests that I know, that are alcoholics. You know, I, I actually I know two of them. Um, and they, t they have to take the treatment just like anybody else, you know. But they don't talk about what it does to you spiritually if you in sin, if you are in sin and you take the Lord's body you, you take communion you know so it says in verse 30 that for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep now many sleep I guess the point I'm making is that the Lord's word is true Many sleep means you die. Right. You but at least you sleep. At least you're not gone into perdition. Many are weak. You lose your strength, I would imagine, what that means. Spiritual and natural. You get weak. Sickly among you. You're afflicted with something. Right. Even though the Lord says, way back in Exodus, he says that if, um, he says that he'll, keep all these diseases away from you that, that he put on the Egyptians. You know, but but what I had a question is that there, is there any hope for any of these people? Because I was thinking about not just the scripture, but I was thinking about hope in the Lord. I was thinking, what kind of hope do we have if everything in the word is true? He did say that by your, by his stripes we are healed. He took on every every one of those he, he was beaten <clears throat> and he took that on so that we could be healed not just physically but mentally and emotionally as well as physically but if we take communion this word is true too if we take communion when we're in the state of sin we could end up sick weakly we could die you, you could, but like, but the Lord is not his intention. That's why he says, so let a man examine himself. And this is what the Lord intends to be the consequence of a person's examination, that they come to themselves. So you don't examine yourself. He didn't say, so let a man justify himself. A lot of people, when they try to examine themselves, rather than come um, clean and say, I'm wrong, they try to justify themselves, but that's not what the purpose of examination is. So when he says, let a man examine himself, the Lord expects a person to come to the realization that they need to repent, they need to change. And because he said, and then so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Meaning that the Lord's expectation is that a person will renew his commitment to 
to the Lord, be circumcise the portion of, of, of their hearts, and go forward in holiness. That's what the Lord intends. And so then he intends for you to partake of communion. Because you examine yourself and you're being honest with whatever it is that's hindering you. Okay, but that doesn't mean that after you take communion, after you have examined yourself, that doesn't mean that uh, you go back and do the same right. thing. Right, no you don't. That's the purpose of the examination or, is for you to come to the realization that you're not supposed to be doing these or things. Or you examine yourself and you come to yourself and then you take communion and you're good for a while and then you go back and or you might again. Well, you, like might, a, you might do that. You might and, and every time you come to yourself and you ask for forgiveness, the Lord will forgive you. The danger is you might do that and you be caught out there in between and you don't have a chance to get back to get right. That's that's the danger of, of that of what I call pendulum of salvation. You swing back and forth. You just, you know, after a while you might be caught out there and it'd be too late. You don't play with God. You okay, know? so let me ask you if, concerning verse 30 when uh, for this cause because people don't consider what they're doing, consider what they're doing to the Lord when they take communion. And I believe that that's a lot of people. I believe that that a lot of people just don't have a good understanding. And, you know, I think they rationalize it away, saying that God is so merciful. God is just so merciful. He wouldn't let that happen to me where I would be sick or weakly or um, uh, that I would pass away, that I would be weak, you know. So, but what does that really mean when you become to that point where you're weak, Sickly. It's God trying to get your attention. Right, but does that mean that there's no more hope no. for that? He's no. I, the question I have is, is there no more hope for that affliction so, or weakness? No. I mean, once you sleep, you sleep. You sleep. Yeah. No, does he mean examine yourself so that when you come to yourself, then whatever it is that is afflicting you, once you have gotten past that, you are no longer taking something unworthily. The reason why you're weak and the reason why a person is sickly is because they're taking something unworthily. You examine yourself and now you are found worthy. There is no need to afflict you. There is no need for you to still walk around being weak. Not just naturally, but spiritually as well. People can get strong. Yes. People can get, you know, because it could be to the point where people are going, the Lord is intending to take their life. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be that the Lord would change his mind if you came to your senses, right. came to yourself. Right. And he could extend your life instead of taking your life. Yes, because a lot of people say, well, if it's your time, it's just your time. When you go, it had to be your time. No, the Lord said a person can die before the time. So you don't have to expire before your time. A disobedient child will live out half the days. You can go before your time. So if a person is drinking damnation to themselves, now that's talking about the person is out of God's will. You know, and uh, so, and it could be that a person comes to themselves and they might sleep, but at least they're saved. They, they might come to themselves and it might be at a point where the Lord just takes them. Because sometimes the Lord uh, takes a person on into glory in order for them to stay saved. He, he realizes that some people like to give with my grandmother that if she had to stay here any longer, she might not have stayed safe. So, uh, you know, she would have lost out. So sometimes when the Lord takes a person, he does it because he's being merciful. So 
So it could be that, that you don't understand the word and in, in your sin you uh, eat and drink damnation to yourself. So you might have damnation to yourself, not discerning the Lord's body. You don't understand what you're do you don't understand what you're doing or you're not Or you could be complacent or you don't think in terms of it really being something that's causing you uh, to be out of favor with the Lord. You're not thinking of it in those terms. Okay, know? so then the next verse says that um, not discerning the Lord's body for the, because of this, for this cause, because of this, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. So if you don't discern the Lord's body, you don't really believe it or, There's some that or take it to be true or or, or, or take it to be uh, sacred. So I'm thinking that... So a person could get cancer? Could. Or whatever the Lord decides uh, could, could happen. But I'm thinking, I think it affects the body as a, as, as a whole. I think that, you know, a person could drink damnation to themselves, meaning that they're just totally out of the will. But there are some that I think it could affect uh, uh, the, the faith, the the ability or power to break through in prayer. You know, so when he says, that's why many are weak and sickly among you, you might not be the people who are necessarily taking the communion unworthily, but it could affect those saints who might be worthy, but the actions of other saints, it, it's like you're not an island to yourself. It could affect others around you. So the, the Lord is saying, so you examine yourself. So we can examine ourselves and still see that we are in the faith, and you might say, but you know, maybe the person who could have had uh, the faith to touch and agree with you to pray you through can't do it because they're too busy drinking damnation to themselves. You know, they, they won't examine themselves. They won't put themselves back into the, the will of the Lord. I think it affects uh, not just the person who's out, totally out of the will, but affects people who are yet still in the will because what saints do affect each other. So once a person becomes afflicted or weak or sickly, there's still hope for them. Oh, yes. There's still hope. So the Lord would reverse that if, right, because, if because it was his will. Right. Right. If, if, it's, if it's the will of the Lord. And sometimes it might be a person who's being uh, affected. They might not even be drinking unworthily, is what I'm trying to say. So yes, there's always that hope. There's always uh, the, the faith that you exercise, because when you examine yourself like Job did, and they said, well, Job, what did you do? What did you sin? He said, I didn't sin. I, did, I didn't. So you might examine yourself and realize you're afflicted, but it's not because of something you did. It could be something, just like when they asked uh, Jesus, uh, who sinned? His mother? His father? This man? He said, no one sinned. Not his parents, not, not the person themselves. You know, so sometimes in affliction, it might not be because of something you did. So it goes on to say, so it, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Right. Meaning that the Lord wouldn't have to they do chastise it. chastise us, right, for that particular thing. But when we are judged, mm -hmm. we are chastened of the Lord. So then he has to step in and do something for you. Right. To teach you a lesson. Right, so that we won't be condemned. That we should not be condemned with the world. With the world. So that's why I said many sleep. Not that you have gone into perdition, 
See, so you're not condemned with the world. Your resting place isn't with the ungodly. Yeah, but, but the Lord was sent on his deliverance, you know, regardless when a person comes to themselves and acknowledges the Lord. Well, I hope, you know, that helped somebody out there. I, I hope that gave someone who's listening some hope. Right. And you not, know, that and, God is really merciful. Right. And not to just jump up if you're someplace and somebody says we're having communion. You don't just jump up and take communion because they, it's part of their service. If you're going to take communion, you have to examine yourself. And when what the Lord means is you have to commit within your heart that you're going to obey the Lord because he did not suffer for uh, not. He didn't suffer in vain. You don't want to be guilty of the body, uh, blood of the Lord. You don't want to be taking something, taking God for granted and uh, taking the sacrifice that he made for granted. The Lord requires a perfect sacrifice, a perfect offering. And if you're going to take communion, you have to totally give yourself unto the Lord, your whole heart. He doesn't, he doesn't want a lame offering. Or else you'll be drinking damnation to yourself. You'll be acknowledging that Jesus died on the cross, that he died for our sins, that he rose again. But you don't care because you're just going to go ahead and sin anyway. That's drinking damnation to yourself. You're acknowledging that God is, but you're going contrary to what he's telling you to do in order to live. Well, I hope that opened up some uh, the eyes when, of people when they take communion. Right, or send their children up to take communion. You know, mm-hmm. I've, had, I've seen people get angry with, with, with uh, pastors because they tell them, no, you know, they know little Johnny, Jesse, somebody here with a rock, they say, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we'll have to continue next week with this discussion. Yes, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Today's verse of the day comes from John 1 and 1 and John 1 and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, what happens if God's law is in your heart? And the answer is, your steps won't slide. That answer can be found in Psalm 37, verse 31, which reads, The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. This week's food for thought is, What will the Lord do for those that love him? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.